0: my grandma has always said it's wonderful that you have so many friends and i agree with her during the pandemic i realized how much i miss seeing the people who make my life so bright and interesting and i wanted to find a way to introduce all of these stars to the world and so i created this podcast You, dear listener, will get a chance to be introduced to those who make my world hum with possibility. We will talk about serious things, silly things, sad things, glorious things, and things that make us feel alive. So settle in. It's just you and me. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am thrilled, 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 thrilled to be talking and sitting across from, sort of, via computer, my friend Randy. Randy, hello.
1: Hello. How you doing?
0: Good. So, who are you? How are you? And why? How do we know each other?
1: Holy moly, that's a that's a big package of existential questions. I know. Right at the top. <laughs> who am I? How are, am I? And how do I? Okay. Yeah. Who am I? So I am. Um. Uh, a guy who grew up in the Northeast, moved to Australia as a kid, had the full British school Harry Potter experience, came back to the US.
0: Um, How how old were you when you came back to the US?
1: So I I moved to Australia when I was nine and came back when I was 14. Okay. Okay. So I always viewed that as my growing up years. Um, And I was back in Australia um, during my, so I went to Duke undergrad in law school Mm -hmm. and I was back in Australia during my college summers and uh, one law school summer. So I've always felt like I really you know, grew up in Australia. I'm not an Australian citizen. The rest of my family are. I'm, I'm mm. the oldest, um, and I missed it that boat. Um, so anyway, yeah, did my Duke thing, came to Washington, um, started as an environmental lawyer, um, served at the EPA, focused on traveling around the US and internationally doing water stuff, protecting mm. rivers, lakes, oceans, streams, wetlands. And, um, I don't know how much detail do you want? I have, I have a, I have a long and tortured
0: history of uh, Julie. <laughs> give I, give I, one, give one example of the torture.
1: Um, well, <laughs> the thing with me is i I'm someone, this is relevant to the, to where we're going in the conversation. I'm someone that's been mm-hmm. able to get away with pursuing their passions. Mm. So, so, um, you know, you could say either that I have shiny object syndrome and can't stay focused on one thing, or you, you know, or you could say that I just, you know, like to dive into the cool stuff. But
0: yeah,
1: um, you know, in the middle of my uh, lawyering, I was a partner at a at a Wall Street law firm and doing quite well. Mm. I basically said, these are not my people. You know, this is not yeah. my tribe, yeah. and they're treating me perfectly well, and I'm making a nice living. But I, mm-hmm. I sort of went off the reservation. Mm -hmm. I went back to Duke, actually was a senior fellow at the Nicholas School, the environment. And and, um, that's when I realized that I wanted to join a bunch of nonprofits and start a rock and roll band. And that's when I started getting involved in the interfaith stuff. So that's a thumbnail of who I am. I'm married to uh, my college sweetheart, also from Duke, Mm -hmm. Kathy, uh, three kids. Uh, My oldest is an artificial intelligence coder in San Francisco. (laughs) And my twins, one is doing impact um, investing and working on food security in Africa. And her twin brother is at Amazon, uh, web services, building the cloud and doing cool stuff.
0: So like no big deal, no big impact on the world. You're just, you guys are just an average family doing what you need to do. (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) Thanks for for the implied compliment. We we do aim high. I'll say that, and, it's, yeah. and I honestly think that's part of um, um, our our backgrounds um, at you know education wise, but also mm-hmm. with just sort of our family being very much of a of a social justice oriented kind of family. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up with the with the dinner table conversation where my mom was sort of the flaming liberal and. My dad was the Rockefeller Republican back then, which was fiscal conservatives, but socially liberal. Yeah. He's a registered Democrat now because his wing of the party no longer exists. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, thanks for that. We do, um, we do aim high, sometimes we fall hard, but, but you know, I'd rather aim high and fall hard.
0: That's right. And how do we know each other?
1: So I saw your smiling face when I joined the board of the Duke Islamic Studies Center. And um, I found you- What
0: year was that? You was know, that 15? I think it was probably
1: the year before you came on board. I think I predated okay. you because okay. I was under the interim director before we hired O'Mead. That's yeah, okay. what brought me on. So yeah. I'm going to say it was 13 or 14 for me and you were 15, I think.
0: That's right. I yeah. literally started working there one month before the board meeting. I had no right. idea what was happening. It was a <laughs> total nightmare because yeah. I was so nervous because it was like a big deal. Yeah. All of you big deal people come in and, and I didn't even have a hotel block. It was a nightmare, but I made it through.
1: You did make it through. Um, and what I remember was really getting to know you over dinner at Elmo's Diner. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I thought,
1: absolutely. This, this chick's interesting. I need to spend some time with her and find out what's yeah. going on.
0: Yeah. And so the one thing that you and I, which is what we're going to talk about today, have in common is this deep love and interest in interfaith work. Yeah, and yeah. so where does this come from for you?
1: So I'm glad we have some time because this is, this is a long story and yeah. I, I'll, I'll compress it unless you let you ask questions where you okay. want to. But, um, you know, my family has very deep roots in the Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, I don't know, four or five uh, ordained ministers. Um, and actually the one of the branch that the family that came to the country were uh, Presbyterian ministers from from Dublin, Ireland, and uh, so we've always had uh, lots of you know active elders in the in the family. And Kathy and I are both active elders, and um, we um, have been going to uh, a small Presbyterian church. Well, not that small actually, five (laughs) hundred members.
0: Here, that's like medium to big now. Medium
1: these days, yeah, (laughs) and and thriving. We're doing great. Yeah, but we, uh, we had been going to this um, great place called Trinity Presbyterian in Arlington, Virginia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I now live in DC uh, uh, in Southwest, but we lived in Falls Church for 30 years, right next, just about two miles from the church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I'd been very involved. I'd served already a couple of times and I'd, I had been teaching and I had formed bands and done all that kind of stuff. And um, my, my pastor, um, who uh, is a guy that I really loved who got me deeply involved in uh, um, fighting gun violence too. He Mm. and I served 20 years together on the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence and that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, He came to me and said, would you teach confirmation class? Okay. So that's, you know, the 13, 14 year old kids. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm not sure I'm the right person. Mm -hmm. I think our curriculum sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you're going to, if you're asking me to teach this, I, I said, I would love to Yeah. But I tell you right now, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take them to a Gurdwara and oh, I'm going to wow. take them to, um, you know, the, the Jewish, uh, synagogue down the road, and we're going to watch the, you know, the opening of the doors of the ark. And, and we're going to yeah. learn about the Bema. And then I'm going to take them to, um, uh, the, the, the sick Uh, temple and we're going to hear the harmonium and we're going to understand about their understanding of of equal rights and we're going to go to to a masjid and we're going to meet the the sheikh and we're going to talk to and we're going to learn about you know the relationships between these great faith communities and what it means to be a seeker yeah not just what it means to be tied to a particular uh doctrine and um so he, he, being the, the, the secret progressive that he was, he <laughs> thought this was great. I'm sure okay. not everyone thought it was great, but uh-huh. uh, so I, I, I went in and um, had a great experience um, really networking within the DC community. Yeah. And this led to uh, a meeting with a guy named Clark Lobenstein who was the founding director of something called the Interfaith Conference of Metro Washington, DC.
0: Okay.
1: Clark put together, as far as we know, the first truly interfaith uh, focus group in the country. He started what? Ta-
0: doing what what d- dates is this? Just give, it, give a rough- He started
1: it in the- mm, Late 90s? i gonna say mid to late
0: 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And
1: he was also a Presbyterian minister. Huh. And so, um, again, I'm, I'm compressing a lot here, but, but, um, we were, we were, uh, put together, um, at a dinner table Mm -hmm. and I was talking to Clark about, you know, where I had taken the poor little 13 and 14 year olds. And, (laughs) um, and, and he's like, um, well, that's, you know, that's so interesting. And I said, well, yes. And I'm finding that I'm really, um, increasingly called to this kind of work mm-hmm. and uh you know i'm thinking about um maybe going to seminary and he said well you know describe for me where you are in life and what you're doing and i said well i at that point i guess i've been practicing law for 20 or 25 years and i was preactive active on capitol hill and i was networked around washington and and he kind of shocked me by saying well look I would say, what we need is for you to put what you have to work rather than go, you know, disappear for three years and start a, fresh as a first year pastor somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and that had really took me by surprise. Hmm. Um, and I, I actually continued on my little sort of personal Chautauqua and checked yeah. in with some people and, and looked seriously at, at Princeton Seminary and a couple other things. Uh-huh. And it kind of went back to Clark and I said, well, you know, I'm surprised, but you may be right. And he said, well, I'm glad you think so because I want you to join the board of directors of the interfaith conference. Okay. So I went back to the Presbyterian Church USA and I was nominated by the Presbyterian Church USA to be the representative of the PCUSA on the council of elders at the interfaith conference.
0: Wow. So
1: now I'm sitting at the table with you know this the you know a couple of archbishops one cardinal for a time and um the senior imams and the leaders of the of the buddhist hindu and Jain communities mm-hmm. and the zoroastrians and you know the lds folks and all every variety of of monk and priests in the catholic church and a variety of of the protestants mm-hmm. and i'm doing um i, I founded something called the center for advancing social justice there um to bring sort of the legal skills and the public policy skills into that arena Mm -hmm. and so now i'm I'm, you know doing everything from sensitivity training for the fbi Mm -hmm. to um litigating on behalf of the cambodian buddhist community who wanted to establish a retreat on massachusetts avenue which is a by right uh, uh thing for every other faith community but the neighborhood said, because Buddhists tell us they're not a religion, they can't use this religious exception to get the permit to build their center.
0: Whoa. So I said,
1: okay, that doesn't seem right to me. And so we've, yeah. we fought that reading of the law and we won. And So we did some really, some really cool things. And I loved that work. And I, I could see myself going back to it mm-hmm. someday. Mm-hmm. But it, it, honestly, Julie, it, and again, it all started with this first conversation with my pastor and about Sunday school. Mm-hmm. This led to me being identified by the Muslim community up in New York City um, mm-hmm. around the the 9-11 um, issues. Yeah. As as you know a, a connected old white guy lawyer, non Muslim that they could trust.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Which is huge.
0: That's it, huge. It was
1: again really unexpected. Yeah. I had um, uh, dinner with a guy named Imam Faisal Abdul Raouf. Mm-hmm. And I became uh, a paid advisor, strategic advisor to something called the Cordoba Initiative, yep. um, whose mission was to bridge the Muslim West divide. That led to uh, just an unbelievable amount of things that I never saw coming. I, was, I led a, a four hour session of world leaders, including three prime ministers uh, in Malaysia um, mm-hmm. on bridge of the Muslim West divide. I, I was, I sent to Ramallah for a month and I was summoned by Arafat to brief the PLO for two oh. hours, with oh. one hours with one hour's notice. Oh <laughs> Yeah, I literally was woken up by secret service saying you've been, oh. your attendance has been requested. And oh. I joined as chairman of a group called Love Thy Neighbor which included uh, uh, the last uh, chief of staff to Martin Luther King, okay. and uh, a, a guy named Doc Lafayette, and we brought the Martin Luther King playbook to Palestinian teenagers, and we were teaching them nonviolent resistance in summer camps.
0: That's what—that's where that I was thinking. I'm like, that sounds so familiar to me, but that, yeah, yeah. that's why. Yeah. okay.
1: and and it just it just kept it just kept going from there. Um, I ended up circling back to the PCUSA and um, um, working on a set of interfaith principles for our denomination. Um, And um, somewhere in in all of this uh, craziness, um, Duke uh, circled back to me and said, Hey, we hear you're doing this kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, I love it. And they said, well, you know, we're trying to uh, reinvigorate the board for the Duke Islamic Studies Center. Are you interested in that? And I said, well, I'm interested in it, yes, but I'm not an academic. You know, my interest is in, is in putting this stuff to work. My my interest in amplifying great messages of, of community and peace building and bridge building. Um, So that's why I joined DISC. I mean, it's hard, hard to say, um, you know whether I made any difference there, but uh, I certainly met some wonderful people, and uh, I was glad to be part of it. Then to meet you,
0: but then I think I think your draw and my draw, which is why we connect so fully, is that we respect and love the academic side of this, but if there's no action attached to it, it's. to me in some ways kind of moot right I mean you can talk and talk and talk but if people aren't joining you know joining each other across the table or you know feeling as though they're even invited to the table then what are we doing right and so I'm curious from a from your Christian point of view why Mm -hmm. why do you care yeah
1: so that's a great question so I think I'm kind of a Micah Christian.
0: Tell me what that means. The
1: the book of Micah is a really short letter from St. Paul. It's in the New Testament. And Mm -hmm. and it it says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? Yep. Yep. And I always viewed that as an invitation to do justice. That's an action, right? And, And, you know, loving kindness and then walking humbly. For me, doing justice and loving kindness come more easily than walking humbly. Um, I'm, still, <laughs> I I'm still working on that. Uh, and these days I'm an executive leadership coach more than a lawyer. So I've, I've learned more about that as I've gotten older. <laughs> but I, as a Christian and particularly as a Presbyterian, you know, my understanding of Presbyterianism is that it's rooted in a commitment to social justice and to education. Mm-hmm. And Presbyterianism itself um, is reformed and always reforming, Hmm. reformed and always reforming. So I always felt, um, called, uh, to do what I could and to contribute what I could. I also like the, um, sort of the mission of making the comfortable uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and so all of these were motivations that were reinforced by how I was raised by my parents. Mm -hmm and then you know but why do you care i care because i want to see a a more just world i want to see a more peaceful world i want to see a more loving world and i think that interfaith work and you could look at this from a from a spiritual and from a non-spiritual perspective. I mean mm-hmm. it, inter, if you look at interfaith work just as building community that's that's an essential to me an essential service but
0: yeah
1: I, I think that there are so many failures to understand each other based simply on a lack of encountering the other. Yep. and I think that putting yourself in an environment where you can meet the other, and that applies in spiritual and non-spiritual realms. It's yeah. so powerful. And so for me, you know, finding myself on my knees in Hagia Sophia at midnight in Istanbul with, you know, six or seven brown and black people, yeah. you know, was profound. Yeah. And, you know, going to the Gurdwara with the Sikhs, I love Sikhism, I find it fascinating. Yeah. And to learn a, that they founded the religion on equality between men and women that they tied their liturgy to music that they had felt the calling to feed the poor that just open up their doors on weekends and feed in london they feed like 15,000 people every weekend i love that and you know learning that you know in in the buddhist concept of being awake and being present you know these are things that i want to be i want to be awake i want to be present you know the whole idea of and i might get it wrong but I think it's called Tikkun Olam, which mm-hmm. is the, which. Okay, thank you. You know yeah. better than me. You're the expert. Yeah. But this oh, idea no. of the of the Jewish imperative to heal the world. Yes. You why? It's because I think we do have an imperative to heal the world. I think we, you know, I think we're more than an accidental collision of you know proteins and rare gases that came <laughs> to sentience, yeah. right. I think we have. Yeah. We're we're here, and we have a responsibility to do what we can to make things better. Yeah. Um, so that's I I don't know. That was probably a very. No, that's great.
0: Answer. <laughs> that's great. And I'm and I'm curious because I think that there are two from from kind of my understandings of interfaith, there are two basic camps, right? There's the everyone is on the same mountain, going to the same God. You know, it's this all the same, all the same, just different versions of it. And then there's like everyone has their path. This isn't a mountain but there is commonality. And so where do you live in that, in, in those interfaith definitions?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. Again, I, I, and I have different answers and different images for it. Sure. As I've, as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. and this is something I've talked about with my kids, who, you know, there's the sense that, you know, America's becoming increasingly secular and all that kind of stuff. The truth is the vast majority of people are still spiritual. They're just suspicious yeah. of organized religion, and they're suspicious mm-hmm. for good and valid reason. Organized religion has has failed us, uh, in in a lot of, of ways, um, yeah. and uh, and has not always uh, you know promoted our best selves or or promoted peace. But mm-hmm. people are fundamentally spiritual, and so what I what I always have tried to tell my kids is, I don't care so much what you believe as as I care about knowing that you're a seeker. Mm. That you are examining your place in the universe, why you're here, mm-hmm. and and what you know, what opportunities do you have to do something good with this precious life, this time we have on earth? So yeah. when I when I to answer your question more specifically,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for me, Christianity is is the pathway to the divine or to the creator. That's mm-hmm. my path that I that I uh, feeds me uh, mm-hmm. in my journey as a seeker. Um, and um, I, I forget who said it. It was was one of my one of my Muslim friends actually that talked about the idea of, you know, that we're all digging wells, mm-hmm. and and he's like, you know, but ultimately they connect with the same source. Mm-hmm. I I've, I've started thinking of it more like a wheel. Like if mm-hmm. you think of the universe as a as a circumplex a big wheel with with the with the divine or the creator whatever you want at the center of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: i feel like the more we work to learn and refine our sensibilities and think about our place in the universe and seek that center mm-hmm. if you think about it whether you're starting from the north pole and heading to the center or whether you're starting from the mm-hmm. south pole and heading to the center
0: mm-hmm. the closer
1: you get to the center the closer you're getting to all the other faiths and all the other beliefs
0: yeah.
1: So, um, so I can say, you know, for me, um, the, the path I'm on is definitely grounded in, in, you know, Western Christianity and that feeds me and, um, I can get the wisdom that I need from that to keep working on those muscles. Yeah. But ultimately I do think, um, you know, the universe has managed to provide lots of different paths to, to the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's why yeah. I think of it as we're all as we, at those of us that are working at it eventually, you know, you might have more in common, you know, with a, with a, with a Zoroastrian than you yeah. might with some somebody who has a very simplistic view of your own doctrine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and I think, I mean, when I was part of, so part of my understanding, which is why I'm asking, it's a very selfish question is that, you know, I, I think I worry sometimes when there's this assumption that the traditions and the theological beliefs are actually just watered down versions of each other, which I do not think is what you're saying at all. And I think, I think that there's such power similar to just, you know, people with different ethnic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds coming together. And yes, we all have common humanity, but the differences are actually as beautiful as the similarities are. And to be able, and, and when you were talking about the um, it's it's ironic because the way that we would teach confirmation when I was working at a church is exactly how you did. We went to different places, and there were some parents, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Some parents who were very worried yeah. about us showing the the kids um, other other I, other possibilities, right? Right. What was what was your experience with that, and how many of them converted and you know yeah. changed their mind?
1: Right. So um, say so you're taking me back now to probably 2008 <laughs> or 9, maybe.
0: Wow. What a long time ago.
1: Um, and um, the the answer is that I would give. And so, yes, there was definitely a minority, but definitely some parents that mm-hmm. are like, we should be teaching hardcore PCUSA values right. As,
0: right.
1: as the right path and the best path. Mm-hmm. And um, what I felt was important was to ground your, your understanding of spirituality and the divine as into, into the global environment that we live in and ground that spirituality yeah. in a global community. And to me, it, it, it starts with, um, you know, the golden rule treat others as you want to be treated that is embedded in in pretty much all religions yep. and all major philosophies right yes. aesthetics all, all different kinds of things so i think i think having that as a baseline was a really important place to start to give kids a platform for exploring their own particular beliefs and mm-hmm. so you know did we have anyone who converted? No, I had one girl tell me that she was Wiccan um, <laughs> in the middle of it, and we and and rather than freak out, I like said, "Well, that's interesting. Let's let's what is that? Let's test that. Let's yeah. find out what that means." And you know, uh, we then were able to take it full circle and say, "Well, caring for the earth and stewardship for the earth is actually a Christian mandate as well." So, um, I just feel like the more um, Open-minded, you can be. The more educated you you are, the more able you are to explore the elements of religion that are worth saving. Right, the mm. the, the pieces of it, the the deep work of really, you know, caring for others and um, you know, living for a higher purpose. And yeah. who are we? And why are we here? And you know, if, if you're thirteen you know, having you memorize numbers and Kings or whatever, you know, that, that is not going to do a lot for you in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not sure if I gave you a great answer, but no. you know, we did, I, I would do silly things. Like I would, I would, I would offer a, a dollar to the person that could open the Bible closest to Isaiah. You know, we do stuff just to like get them familiar, oh, yeah. right. You know, and, and we did fun stuff like that. And, um, but it was always, it, you know, in service of this, um, larger idea. And that's, as yeah. a coach, I'm always asking that question now in service of what, and yeah, this was really in service of, of opening these kids up and, and making them, um, bridge builders. Um, yeah. that's really what, what i hoped for anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think that groundwork, even if in the moment when they're 13 and may not necessarily want to be there all the time, yeah. I think it, I think it, Plants a seed deeper than we uh, we ever assume, right? And and that and that comes to fruition, you know, later on in their lives, which right. so I think old, is really important.
1: Yeah, it's like the butterfly effect, right? You don't really, yeah. or the or the pebble in the pool. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, did I think that that taking some kids off on a on a um, you know uh, confirmation class was going to lead to me be being in on the the secret meeting about the so-called Ground Zero Mosque? Yeah, after nine eleven. Yeah. No, but yeah. it, it, I can draw you the direct string. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I was there um, and uh, I could I could tell you stories that you'd find hard to believe about, you know, how that happened and, and what was behind it all. But it but it was just, you know, for me, one of the mantras of my family has always been sort of, you know, look through windows and open doors. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're sort of a curious people. Mm-hmm. And um, um this was an area that i wanted to explore and i was open to where wherever it was going to lead and yeah. it led me to a lot of interesting places and including to dinner and elbows with you
0: yeah yeah and i think i mean similar to when i was when you were saying that i was thinking i tried to always say yes to things yeah. you know because i just never know what might come of it uh yeah. what relationship might come of it what experience for me and i think sometimes when someone takes like a bird's eye view of a life like that, it's kind of like, whoa, like there's just everything everywhere, but if you, like you're saying, if you start looking closely, you see that there are strings constantly connecting. And and again, I, I feel like I keep saying this, but like that's, I think that's where I, one, look to you as like a mentor, but I also feel like you I see a lot of what I value and, and excite me about life in the way that you've lived. And so Aww. I think that that's, yeah, it's really important to me. That's so kind. What, yeah. a, what, a, well, what a high
1: compliment that was, thank you.
0: It's really true. So you brought up a one one thing that I would love to hear your thoughts on, and that's the idea that there are so many people now that are non-religious. Um, yeah. they, they use the category of none, N-O-N-E yeah. at this point which I think is fine. I think, I think it's actually, there's a, there's, there's part of me that's actually kind of excited that there is, people feel as though they can, they can live into these, into these categories because for my gosh, even until 20 years ago, 30 years ago, like that really wasn't something people talked about. Right, right. So where do you see those, that category of people Hmm. living into the community of, of the interfaith world?
1: Okay. This isn't this is a another huge
0: area. I know. These
1: are deep questions I know.
0: you're asking. I know. So this is what I actually think about all the time.
1: So <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna answer this a couple of different ways. Okay. So the first answer is it's fine with me for you to be an atheist. Mm-hmm. It's not fine for me if you think as an atheist, you have all the answers. Okay and that you are foreclosing yourself off from the universe and the possibility that there's stuff out there that you don't understand. So my yep. my thing is fine, be an atheist, but still be a seeker. Still be I thinking see, yeah. about who you are and why you are and what you are, mm-hmm. okay? Okay, yep. So, so I have no problem with atheism. I have the same problem with militant atheism that I have with militant baptism, right? Um, right. Whatever, okay, so right. it's the militancy that is the turn off for me, not the rubric, not the choice of yeah. philosophy. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The yeah. next thing is why are people being turned off? Because I think people are fundamentally mm-hmm. spiritual beings and they fundamentally are seeking connection.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: seeking connection with each other and they're seeking connection to something greater than themselves. Yeah. So that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. To explore. The, the question is you asked it is so, so, you know, where's the place for these people? What do we do with them? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, and again, I'm I'm gonna sound like I know more than I do, but I mean you can you can read, you know, you can read Marcus Aurelius, mm-hmm. right? And you can read the Stoics, and you can get a you can get a lot of, of a, a great recipe for living a gr- a good, if not a great life.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so my, my answer is they absolutely have a place at the table. I would have no problem having an atheist seat at the Interfaith Council. Yep. I would have no problem with that. And, and it's about bringing those people into community, keeping them as just another kind of other to be um, enriched by, mm-hmm. right? Putting them to work their fundamental desire to live a good life and to serve others and to live for a higher purpose and mm-hmm. to treat others like they want to be treated, yeah. but then here's the here's the weird here's one of the weird wings that my brain flies to, mm-hmm. which is I have a, I have a little um, it, it just can't be suppressed a little bit of this mystic side of me that's just open to this grand possibility that that I'm just too small and too dumb to understand what's really going on and the universe mm. is too big yeah. and why would you worship a, a god that you could understand I've never. Mm. Face that put gods in a box and there's a formula and they, they know what your, ha- your room in heaven looks like. I like run <laughs> screaming from those people. Like, are you kidding me? But, but here's where it gets interesting, Julie. Yeah. I, and I had this conversation just recently with a friend of mine who is an atheist. And, and I was like, okay, so you believe in science, right? It's like, yeah, okay. So you know something about the laws of thermodynamics. Yes. So matter is neither created nor destroyed, right? Right. So when we die wow. by definition something continues some piece of mm-hmm. us by definition yep. is not yep. destroyed and continues in some form so the change is yep. the set of questions so what does it become mm-hmm. what does it carry with it mm-hmm. what what memory of others is there if any is it is it an energy does it reform and reconnect with us in some way we can't understand so why foreclose yourself off of all of these possibilities to me science and faith and poetry and philosophy are just different tools to describe the same thing. And I think there are interesting intersections. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I I don't accept that it's one camp or the other. And I'm, I'm always looking for those connections and I'm, and I'm, I want to be smarter and I want to be around people who who can teach me stuff about this. So, so again, that's a a long meandering (laughs) answer to there's no. absolutely room at my table for those people and I and I want absolutely. I want to learn more I, I just I the only thing I don't I don't accept is this idea that anyone has it figured out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? You're so you're so United Church of Christ because that's when I'm that's that's where I come from in uh-huh. your in your theology because it's like and I mean it's, it sounds like PCSA is also very similar but PCUSA um just this idea of God is still speaking and it is yeah. a constant journey and that's that's the one thing I mean I don't actually really attend church anymore and, you know, stopped, stopped the ministry path. But, you know, that was what called me to stay Mm -hmm. was just this idea that like, it's okay. Like I had kids, confirmation kids who were like, I think I don't believe in God. And I was like, all right, tomorrow you might, who knows. But like, do you like being in this community? Do you feel like you're getting fed in some way? And they were like, oh, I love this. And I was like, well, then you're part of it. Like, there's no. To me there wasn't, and I think actually like after you were answering, I, I realized that I'm actually diminishing, my question was actually diminishing people and diminishing their capability, right? And just by putting them in this, this specific box, it means whether or not they could potentially be invited or not. And that's, it's that's actually not what we should be doing and not what, from from my vantage, what interfaith is really all about.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And that. I just think we have, you know, uh, there's a limitless amount that we can learn from each other. We can get wiser. Mm-hmm. We can get more loving. We can, I mean, it, you know, it, it's not, it's not kumbaya. It's you know, I, <laughs> right. I've experienced, I've seen it. I know that that if you put, you know, you know the, the 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 Catholic kid from Dublin or Belfast, and the and the and the Protestant kid from Belfast in a summer program here in D.C. together, they leave friends and they're in community, and it, and it 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 spirals out they bring yeah. peace.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I've seen it in in Israel Palestine and uh, I just really believe this stuff and it and uh, yeah. and I believe that each of these traditions has wisdom. Yeah. And um you know the more open we are to it, you know the greater chance we have of of having the the world that we all wish for but you know can't yeah. seem to get our arms around.
0: Yeah. And I think you know the way that unfortunately this this country is set up is that we're so um homogenous in many of where we live many of the spaces that we live and to break out of that is um is such a gift but also is tremendously frightening to a lot of people and so I find even though my you know my family is is um very educated very interested in in the world like just my work doing interfaith work and then also working specifically in Islamic Study Center like I think and even my extended family, I think they think to themselves, all right, we think Julie's like an okay human and she's fine with these p- these quote people over here, right? Like maybe I need to rethink my assumptions because of the media or because whatever, you know? And so I think, I think that also is a huge role um, that is overlooked sometimes, right? It's important.
1: Re-examining your assumptions um, is, uh so powerful <laughs> and so hard to really do yep and it's funny as in as a leadership coach it's something that we look at a lot you know how, how are you showing up mm-hmm. um is so often determined by sort of the snapshot that you took earlier in life around which you build assumptions and feelings and emotions and that yep. leads to actions and you wonder well, why am i acting this way mm people often don't take the time to go back and re-examine where those feelings came from. And they often came from faulty assumptions because it's a big world out there and it's very data rich. And when we take that little snapshot and and create that data uh, packet that we store away, Mm -hmm. we're only picking and choosing some pieces of what we're actually seeing and perceiving, but we build a whole lot of actions on top of that. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, good for you that you're, that you're thinking that way. Um, I, am you know, I certainly am trying to, to re-examine a lot of my assumptions as, as I get old and gray. And um,
0: I mean, it's not easy.
1: It's hard work, <laughs> it's but it's not worthwhile. easy. Wow. Yeah.
0: So my final, my final question to you, because I always like to give people kind of an action uh, at the end of this, or at least a resource is if, if I was, you know, living somewhere and I was interested in interfaith work in some way, and I had no idea how to start for how to get involved, what, what would you say I should do?
1: You know, um, I, I'm gonna pitch the Interfaith Conference because this, mm-hmm. this movement uh, has grown. I mentioned at the top that Clark started this late 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in the DC area and I know that there's, um, you know, an Interfaith uh, of Northern Virginia. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. I think there's one in the Baltimore, greater Baltimore area. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, um, uh, around the country, there are plenty of these types of organizations there are certainly um, um, lots of ways, uh, just as an individual, to be a bridge builder. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, if you've ever been curious about, you know, what breaking the fast looks like in a Muslim community, is it, for instance, the iftar, right? Yeah. You, you can go be part of that. Like, they'll, yeah. t- they'll take you with open arms. They'll let yeah. you in. They'll feed you it's a very cool experience mm-hmm. and you might that might inspire you and might be the springboard next time that somebody says well you know we should we should bomb a muslim country or should keep them from uh, uh, not you know not allow them in the country yeah that person which might be you now because you've been there might say well wait a minute that's not been my experience of this community i found them yep. very warm very educated very international and mm-hmm. and you know uh, they want to be in community with us, so let's let's yeah. think about it differently. So, yeah. so you know, whether it's an IFC type organization or individual action, there's uh, there's just no limit to the number of outlets you can find if you're if you're curious and you're yeah. willing to go put yourself out there a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you happen to be asked to, you know, teach a confirmation class, and yeah. you say,
1: <laughs> look well, out.
0: they well,
1: know unless you're ready to go down a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah,
0: exactly. And right. I have to say that, thank God, the church I worked at redid their curriculum numerous times because man, oh man, like that stuff is antiquated and I can't imagine sitting through it. So yeah. kudos to you for pushing the limits of a church because sometimes that's the hardest thing you could possibly do. Yes.
1: And thank you. It was worthwhile. (laughs) And it's ongoing.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And so now we'll, we'll flip the script a bit and uh, you get to ask me any question that you'd like in my moment of vulnerability.
1: Okay. So um, I am a rabid music
0: consumer
1: Mm. lover, and um, I play and sing in a rock and roll band. Yeah. And
0: Wait, what do you play? Remind me what you play.
1: So I play, guitar? I play guitar. Yeah, okay. Um, but I'm I'm a strummer. So I'm, I'm laying down the rhythm. I'm sort of the lead singer. Um, mm-hmm. But I have other people in the band are much better players than me. Okay. And it's really fun putting it all together and getting a big sound. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm always curious what people are listening to and what they're into, especially something that might surprise me. So mm-hmm. I want you to surprise me with some stuff that you might um, think, I you know I don't
0: know about these people. Can about me about what I listen to?
1: Yeah, hit me. Can you
0: can you share with me what you assume I might like? Because I think that's gonna that's gonna help me.
1: Oh wait, that's that. I don't don't know. I don't like laying that on anybody. (laughs) Because I mean, no,
0: but I'm not going to get offended. I just because I think because I could go in many directions.
1: But go whatever direction you want. Okay. In the last yeah. week, you know, I've been listening to a tribe called Quest, Winton Marsalis, Radiohead.
0: Who you happen to know, Winton Marsalis, who you happen to be a friend of, right? Yeah, I'm surprised you remember that. But yeah, of course I, I remember that. Yeah, well, um, that
1: one of those surprising turns in life where I got to represent Jazz at Lincoln Center. Anyway,
0: <laughs> you uh, said Winton. Then who else did you say after that? Sorry,
1: uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center.
0: Yeah, the okay. organization. Yeah. So okay, so I'm literally opening up my Spotify right now and I'm just okay. gonna, I'm gonna read some stuff off to you.
1: But yeah, so I'm gonna I'm all, take I'm gonna take notes.
0: Take some notes. First of all, have you seen the the Disney film Soul? Yes. Just
1: saw it, loved it.
0: So the I don't know if you knew this, but the the music with I'm a huge classical musician person. I play violin and viola. So I mean I did. Um I was in orchestra for all of high school and middle school. Um so John Baptiste does the vocals, the vocal arrangements for that film, but then Trent Reznor and Atticus oh, yeah. Ross- Nine Inch Nails. Did, yes, did the um, the more of the kind of ethereal, like soul part of the, right. of the movie. So mm-hmm. I have been listening on literally, and I also, something that a lot of people don't know or understand is I will listen to songs on repeat for hours. Mm. Like I get into this zone where I just, I, I was playing, there's a song called Epiphany when he realized, well, I don't wanna, okay. I'm not want okay i am not going to give it away to everybody if they haven't seen it, but like the part where like. Yeah. Okay. He has, um, epiphany. <laughs> he has an epiphany. Yes. Sylvan Esso, Sylvan Esso. Oh
1: yeah. That's another I've so, been listening to They're from so Durham. A year and a half ago, um, mm-hmm. I was in Australia, visiting my family mm-hmm. and Sylvanesso Esso was on tour. and They played the local pub, like-
0: They're so rap, fun. One
1: from my house. And so we all- Did like, you go?
0: Yeah. Oh, they're so fun. They're, fun. they're so yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, Jack Garrett, Okay. Who is. I don't know it. Um, he is, uh, I don't know how I would describe him. It's kind of like poppy, synthy, really fun. Really, he, and also his music videos are so creative and so just mind blowing. They're amazing. Okay. All right. Um, Phoebe Bridgers.
1: Yep, absolutely. Songwriter. Yep.
0: Bonnie Ver oh bonnie there bonnie bear sorry so uh, um, you know
1: you listening yeah. to songs over and over again he has a song yeah. called stacks that i listened oh to my God. Recently, like like eight times in a row because it was just I know. so perfect
0: his and what's interesting to me is that i really i'm so i'm a singer too and i really go for music that i can sing to yeah but and so at first when bonnie bear came when justin vernon came out with his more like electronic stuff i was like yeah get this out of here. Right. All I want is your soft, beautiful love songs that make me cry. Right. But I started listening, I went to see him uh, at the PNC arena in Raleigh. Okay. Um, and it was all his newest album and it was the most mind blowing thing I wow. have ever experienced. And so now okay. I actually listen to that album as well. Cool. Um, let's see. Now I'm just kind of looking to see. This is a good ball. mix. Okay, so there's a there's an Icelandic. Um, this is gonna be so boring for everyone but you, but I don't care. <laughs> um, this there's this Icelandic composer named Olafar Arnolds. Okay. Who does mostly um, piano orchestrations? Uh huh. Um, very simple, very very beautiful and kind of clear. Oh, it's I love him. Okay. First aid kit. First, so. First aid kit is a Swedish band. Um, they I fell in love with them at the beginning of quarantine. Okay. They're a, they're folk like singer, songwriter, folk sister, two sisters. They did all these um at-home shows. Uh-huh. And I had never really listened to them very much, but for some reason I like found I was like streaming it on Instagram. All right, so I got
1: and- I gotta give you a response to that. You ever heard of yeah. the spades? Oh three Staves so are another one that i just yeah. got
0: turned on to finally. they're awesome
1: yeah they so they just came
0: army. out with a new album they're yeah. incredible yeah um i don't know if you knew how much i love music but this is uh, great we could
1: talk we could, <laughs> i could talk about this endlessly
0: and i and I, so what's what's fascinating is that one of my episodes actually is um one of my dear friends betsy is a musician and so we talked about like writing songs i don't know i don't know if you Guys, if you write your own songs or what do you do for your band?
1: So, what I do for my band is I write arrangements. So I write okay. foreign parts and and we have big harmonies and all of that. And I do I write a lot of mashups. So okay, I just recently wrote a mashup that was started with the Rolling Stones, went into Marvin Gaye, and finished uh-huh. with Michael Jackson. And my ears just <laughs> tuned to that. I have a background in acapella. Uh-huh. But it's one of the one of the great frustrations uh, is that I have not allowed myself to write enough bad songs to get to the good songs I find I, I get embarrassed by my own ideas and I discard them okay. and so one of the things I'm actually trying to do this year is to let go of that yeah and start doing more writing because I love I love writing I love creating and I write short stories and stuff and I hear yeah. melodies all the time. Yeah. But I've always been so embarrassed by my own output that I've never sort of let it go. So I'm trying.
0: You to- gotta let it go. You're that's your that's your job for this year. All right. Let it go. And one other one other band that I've that a friend of mine turned me on to that I'm really liking and is so different from anything that I've ever listened to is Sunlocks.
1: Oh wow, no, don't know them.
0: S O N L U X. They are like elect like sexy electronic oh. like deep base uh the the craziest thing about it is that one of their um the people in in the group there's three men in the group one of them came to duke so we have the building bridges program um right. with with doris duke duke foundation and he came and performed and i didn't know his can i didn't know sunlux at that point i didn't know the connection and so like telling my friend this who lives in Durham, she was like, this is the worst thing you could possibly tell me because, you know, I like had a connection to like going to dinner with him and all of this stuff, but like, I didn't know who he was. (laughs) And I will say my final one that I actually haven't been listening to a lot, but because I'm thinking about work, have you ever heard of Alsara and the Nubatones? No. Oh. So she is a Sudanese New Yorker. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. Oh my I, god. I, I read something called Paste Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
1: they talked about her in pace. So yeah. I,
0: she might even unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So I, I, a very tiny bit. So yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to the new
0: baton. She she brings she sings in Arabic and she brings all classic, but like with a little like a hip-hop stream through it, but but very, very musical. And she actually I'll send you this video of her because she also came for a, one of our residencies. And one of, the, one of the high school classes, the choral classes at Duke Performances, someone, a, a Duke PhD student, rearranged one of her songs for wow. vocals only. Mm. And so they performed it for her and she like lost her mind.
1: Wow. You should give that to the pitchforks. I don't want to get off track here, but you should give that to the Duke Acapella group to do.
0: It'd be awesome. Actually, that's a really good idea to
1: yeah.
0: think about. Because yeah. we, yeah, yeah. So anyways. I could talk about music for oh, hours. Me too. But um but I have what a pleasure it has been to share some time with this mine.
1: It's lovely and, to catch up
0: with you. See and I am always is. always grateful to hear your thoughts and I also the one thing and I'll give you one more compliment that I I've always so appreciated how you are regardless of someone's level someone's intellect whatever you are always meeting people where they are and in in such a beautiful conversational way and i just think that that's you were one of the people and many of the people on the board are wonderful but you were one of the people that actually made like i made me feel like i mattered and that is very important to me
1: thank you that's that's a that's a deep (laughs) uh, compliment i really appreciate it thank you and uh, it's been a real pleasure thank you great with me
0: And next time I'm in D.C. when we're actually allowed to, like, you know, go out.
1: Oh, I got some great clubs to share with you.
0: (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Thanks, Randy. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. (laughs) I am so lucky to know such incredible, thoughtful people. And I thank you for listening. Come back soon for another episode of